Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ooh, ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga. I thought this was a party! It's two Nerfskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. Okay, well, hello everybody, and welcome to a fine new installment of Two Nerd Skis and a Podcast, of course. We're the one show where two nerd skis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. Of course, as always, I'm one of your nerd skis. This is Eric. We're totally the only show that uh, that has a concept like this. We are the fucking pioneers of this. Oh, and I'm, I'm Jeff. <laughs> and uh, that was, yes, you are correct, um, but hey. We're unique about that much. But anyways, though, welcome back to another fine installment of Horror Month here at Two Nerdskis at a podcast. We're all month long. We're talking about everything that's horror, all horror, horror, horror. I don't know where I was going with that. But yes, we're talking about everything that is uh, horror genre itself. So we've talked about Halloween. We've talked Blair Witch. We've talked um, quite a whole bunch of things. But now it's time to go into a little bit of a different direction. Um, it's time to talk at least, not ex- if not exactly him, at least the works and legacies of one Alfred Hitchcock. Um, you've probably heard who the man is. Um, if you don't know, he is a, he's one of the pioneers of the thriller genre. Not to say that the thriller genre hasn't existed prior to him, but he's definitely one who really made a name for himself through the thriller genre and by association, of course, the horror genre. So if you have an idea of what his movies are, if you haven't seen any of his movies, of course, there's uh, the birds, there's vertigo, there's rear window. um, And of course you have psycho, which is one of the classic, classic names in the horror thriller genre. And even though I wouldn't say it's the first, it definitely helped to establish the slasher genre itself. Am I incorrect in saying that, or is it is there a little bit more truth to that? Uh, there's definitely uh, definitely films that preceded Psycho that uh, kind of helped establish the basic template of a of a slasher. But at least uh, I would say at least uh, the original Psycho definitely helped. Uh, helped uh broaden the potentially interested audience because normally uh films like that would be considered pure exploitation but uh psycho was definitely one of the first to have shocking content uh you know such as you know people getting uh you know fucking killed on screen and yeah psycho definitely uh was probably the first uh, very commercially successful film to execute that. I I could be dead ass wrong on that, but uh, yeah. So Psycho, very influential film for the for the genre. If you don't know what what the basic idea of Psycho, spoilers for like a sixty plus year old movie. Um, basically, the plot is there's Norman Bates who runs the Bates Motel. 
uh, in a little town somewhere in uh, California, actually. Um, and uh, he is apparently going a little cuckoo because he, um, spoiler alert, has a split personality um, in the form of his dead mother who goes around saying that uh, sexual intercourse is a sin and that only only her is the only good woman around for Norman because all other girls are sluts and whores, apparently. Um, I'm not kidding. That's even shown in uh, the sequel and further beyond. So um, as Jeff mentioned, there is the infamous scene. So there's the infamous scene where uh, Marion Crane, played by Janet Leigh, by the way, um, this is one of the most brilliant pieces of uh, twists in a movie where like you are you're twi- you think that Marion Crane is the boyfriend. I mean, not the boyfriend. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You are you you're tr- you're tr- uh, tricked into believing that she is the main character in the movie. Right. And then about what is it? What it, would I say? What? 20 or 30 minutes in the movie? She is like brutally stabbed to death in the shower. And you get that infamous dun 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 dun. Um, is that right? Is it within the first twenty or thirty minutes, or is it even longer? I want to say it's like the, I think at the hour mark, a little after. Oh, okay, so maybe even a little bit longer. But yeah, I mean, like Janet Lee, she was like one of the top build, uh, like one of the like top actors of her time, and then um turns and then she dies like halfway through the movie and then uh you, you you get the story from her perspective of lila who's come in to look for her and uh that's when you see shit goes really crazy um and uh, of course it all ends with norman being uh, uh revealed as the killer and he has a split split personality with um his mother and he's taken to an insane asylum and then you have that classic like shot of like the camera just zooming in through his cell in up to um, up, up to him and just looking up and just smiling and his mother saying he would never even hurt a fly. Um, good shit. Really classic shit. So um, cut to about 20 something odd years later and you get the sequel and today's topic Psycho 2. Um and I, I know I was curious, curious because um, normally we'd probably be talking about the first Psycho, but um, I wanted to know exactly what was it about the second Psycho that made you want to talk about talk about it more than the first one? I mean, I feel like the first film, I mean, everything that's ever needed to be said about it has already been said. You know, I feel like there's not much that we would be able to do to really uh, add to the conversation, you know, just because it's been so heavily analyzed, like every single fucking frame of that movie. So, uh, you know, I, I love talking about the original Psycho, but I feel like it would be a more interesting show if we talked about a movie that's associated with that celebrated film. And actually doesn't have as much recognition. And I feel like that's where Psycho 2 is uh, definitely a interesting little film. Because no one really expected a movie like this to ever get made. You know, I, I think uh, during the 
uh, later half of the 60s and into the 70s, Anthony Perkins had some trouble getting work because he was very he was starting to get a little typecast uh, with as, you know, the Norman Bates persona. And that uh, I think he didn't like that because uh, he felt it was kind of kind of fucking with his career. But I wish I remember the name of the show, but he essentially showed up as uh, uh, he showed up as Norman Bates in this. Uh, it was some kind of uh, some kind of SNL esque sketch show, I believe. And okay. it really caught people by surprise to see him reprise that role. You know, he was like the situation around him was being humorous, but him, uh, but he was playing it dead straight. And so I think that's what, uh, what really made that, uh, uh, what, what really made that sketch stand out. And that kind of got the, the ball rolling in a way. And I believe the author of the original book, uh, the original psycho book wrote a, did write a follow-up uh, to to his first novel, and apparently it was uh, a major uh, major satire on the on the newly revamped or uh, the the current trend of slashers, and the studio didn't like that because they were. Because Universal was essentially trying to do the same thing, you know, kind of cash in on the slasher craze. But it was actually going to be released as a straight to uh, straight to TV movie. It was going to be very low budget. And, you know, they were trying to get Anthony Perkins back, but he didn't really seem interested in fully reprising the role. But uh, after some convincing, he said yes, and that convinced the studio to bump it to a, uh, you know, two or three actual release, and it was given a proper budget, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. And it was, uh, I believe, uh, the director Richard Franklin said that you know the moment he was brought on board and realized that Anthony Perkins was was going to be involved, uh, he basically said, all right, we have to make this as good as fucking possible. I'm very much so paraphrasing, but yeah, it, uh, it, it was basically the real deal. And yeah, we will, uh, we'll definitely get into, we'll definitely get, well, I cannot fucking talk today. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get into that shit. Um, but yeah, Eric, what was your, uh, what was your perception going in and what did you think once the credits rolled? Well, first off, I actually, um, going back to what you said about the novel. So I didn't know originally that Psycho was actually based off a novel. Um, I guess I thought it was a completely original work by Hitchcock. I had no idea that it was originally a novel. And then actually, I didn't know that a novel was written for Psycho t- um that psycho two was written as a novel, but from what I understand, it was just purely coincidental that psycho two, both the film and the novel came out separately because psycho two is more to set this. The novel is meant to be more of a sequel to the original 1959 novel. Um, so yeah, I did not know that. Um, so, I mean, I didn't really have any real expectations. I was just more like, I mean, 
from what I understood, it was just more about, oh, Norman's being released from uh, the institution. So how is he going to... Um, so everything's supposed to be hunky-dory. Uh, how long is that going to be fuck, uh, fucked up? And um, they don't waste any time on it, I'll put it that much. Um, in terms of how I feel... Um, so I... I because I'll be honest, I was a little kind of bored watching it, to be honest. I mean, I liked the idea of Norman Bates being released from the institution. Um, I, I like that, you know, he's trying to live a pretty relatively normal life. But, you know, there are just too many circumstances that are just keeping him from being normal because eventually, spoiler, eventually he snaps again. But even that takes a moment. But there were definitely moments in the movie that I definitely liked uh, besides the ide- ideal concept. But yeah, I might, I wasn't like the biggest fan of it. I, I don't hate it. Let's let me put it that way. I, I don't a hundred percent like it though. I mean, there again, cause uh, there are definitely p- things I like in it, but um, I don't know. I probably would need to do a second rewatch to really kind of like give it more of more of a true opinion. So I'm, so I apologize on that front. I should have done that prior, but you know, I mean, I, again, I, I, I do find it interesting that it, that they decided to make a sequel 22 years after the movie was released. Uh, the previous film was released. So, um, in that case, I'm going to turn it over to you. Then what did you think of psycho two? I think psycho two is fucking awesome. Um, for a movie that does not need to exist, it at least explores the character of Norman Bates in a really fascinating light. And it's really, I think it's, it really comes down to the performance from Anthony Perkins because he just embodies that role so well. And he does a good job at making you feel sympathetic he does a good job at at portraying him, you know, trying to struggle in this pursuit of just feeling normal. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I something about this movie always uh, always stuck with me. And one thing I definitely have to say though is uh, the cinematography in this movie is out fucking standing. I believe, yeah, this was a. Uh, this was a uh, shot by Dean Cundy, who, uh, you know, legend in f- filmmaking, by the legend, way. man. Like, I think he actually, uh, I think he declined on filming, uh, or, uh, doing the cinematography for, uh, one of John Carpenter's films because he had the opportunity to be the DP for psycho two, which honestly, it's like John Carpenter is a fucking legend, but if you have the opportunity to film, Psycho 2. It's a pretty cool fucking opportunity. I, w- I would film. Did he? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Did he photograph the thing instead? I mean, did he photograph the thing? Because I feel like if you're saying he turned out a John Carpenter movie, I feel like it would have been the thing no, he it, turned down. No, it looks like he he did. Um, what did John Carpenter do after that? Um... Well, you know what also surprised me in the regard. So I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to who did the music, and then I go back later. I'm like, what the fuck? Jerry Goldsmith <laughs> scored this. That's right. 
So after hearing him brilliantly great create uh, create God <laughs> create some really good music for uh, the Poltergeist um, or just Poltergeist, um, I was glad to finally watch a movie with his music in there because, like, he is. I think we said the we said it before. Like, he's up there with John Williams in terms of like one of the greats in classic uh, movie scoring, but. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that was him who scored the movie in the entire time. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, it wasn't as memorable as say as like something from like the original Psycho. Although you do hear the the classic uh, death uh, sequence from uh, Janet Lee's. I mean, from Marion Crane's murder um, in the beginning, which is actually what starts off the movie is the murder of Janet Lee. You know, it's it, they just take that seek that original sequence and then that um use it as the beginning of the movie which i thought was interesting i i would have i didn't think that they would go there i thought they would just go straight to norman um being released from the institution i wonder what kind of choice was made for that but i mean like if it's just a sole reminder of like oh hey this is what made the first psycho great all right let's go into psycho 2 so uh or just a reminder or whatnot but um you know it's not just um it's not just Anthony Perkins who comes back. We actually have Vera Miles who actually comes back as Lila Loomis, um, which I thought was an interesting approach. So um, she comes in and she uh, the movie starts and basically it's uh, at a hearing for Norman's release. And, uh, you know, Lila is like desperately trying to get Nor- trying to convince the court. No, he's going to lose it and he's going to kill again. Um, that fails. So, um, yeah, Norman's Norman's been released after 22 years and he seems he's going to be living a normal life or does he? It's hard. It's uh, it's easy. It's not easy to tell. But, you know, he he returns back to um, Bates, returns back to the house. And uh, at this point, is that the same? Did they rebuild the house or had they kept the original exterior um, and then built the and built the interior from scratch or had it basically all been there from the previous film? I believe they've filmed uh, a majority of those scenes on the, on the back lot. Right. Because the, the original house is on the back lot of universal studios uh, in Hollywood, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's the original original. I'm pretty sure over the years it's been rebuilt or shit. I don't even, I don't even know off the top of my head if the, uh, if the first film was shot on the back lots as well. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't or not, but, um, but yeah, uh, basically that. So, but that is supposed to be, if it's, if it isn't the original house, it is a very damn good recreation of the original house. But, um, you know, the house, it's been a while since I've seen the first psycho, but I, but I'm just like, wow, they got the house pretty good. Um, in terms of just, how it looked in the interior. Um, I do like how, how... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm, I'll have to, I have to think about that, but what are you going to say? I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, I like how you see more of the house in this movie. Like, it it really feels more of a... Uh, kind of feels more like a character in a way. Right, because you only really see what? Um, you know, the lobby of the house... And then you only see the basement or the cellar, correct? You know, and maybe even um, yeah, and uh, then uh, room, right? 
yeah the the uh the top of the stairs where the uh where the private uh private investigator gets gets his face slashed mm-hmm. um takes a moment to think about it but yeah but either way it, it's it's a really cool recreation i i do enjoy it um especially when you get a little bit of it does make you feel uneasy though at least for norman when like he starts hearing he starts remembering the flashback of um him killing his mother when he was a child and just that haunting voice of like norman norman <laughs> reminds me of some old grouchy people i know but uh so so it cuts to later um he i guess he he got work as at a diner and he meets emma spool um and he gets to meet um mary um who becomes like his his confidant and friend in the movie and basically he starts cooking um so from what i understand so i guess in doing some research or whatnot uh emma plays a really big part but um Spoiler alert, she's revealed kind of to be the sister of Norma Bates. Um, how did you feel about that? Uh, I don't love it. Um, it's kind of retconned in Psycho 3, so I, I don't really, I don't really care too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if anything, I... Like the, uh, the, just the scene alone of Norman just whacking this kind-looking elderly lady with a fucking shovel <laughs> is kind of is kind of shocking and hilarious at the same time. Like every time I see that scene, I I'm like awkwardly laughing. I'm like whack, ow! It's like. <laughs> So we are getting a little heavy ourselves, but you know, that's, that's the show in a nutshell. But anyways, um, what, what I, what I remember is, um, after, after he, um, meets Mary, you know, Mary's having problems with her boyfriend or whatnot. So he's like, um, listen, um, if you want, you can stay over at my house or stay at the, stay at my motel for your charge. I'll bring you over. And so this is the first time we go back to the motel and, uh, we see Dennis Franz, and I remember Dennis Franz very well because of his role as Sipowitz in NYPD Blue, one of the top uh, crime dramas and uh, procedurals of uh, tele- network television from the 90s up until the 2000s. Um, so fun fact, I when I was in film school and uh, editing classes, I had to see a lot of NYPD because a lot of a lot of the uh, editing practices and assignments we had to do circled around NYPD f- behind the scenes footage. No, just like NYPD dailies, and we just had to edit them together in sequences, or kind of just kind of fuck around in any way we want. But yeah, I remember seeing a lot of Sipowitz or a lot of Dennis Franz going upstairs and repeating dialogue um, with uh, God. What the hell was his name? The guy who eventually became the uh, CSI Miami guy who says that quirk. And puts his glasses on and off. I forgot what his name is, but, but uh, yeah, um, good stuff. But yeah, he's playing like this really sleazy douchebag, Warren Toomey, who is running the motel. And you know, it, basically, the motel is kind of turned into a dive, if you will. It's it's not a pleasant place. It's just uh, really dirty, and people like to get in on their fun. And Norman's like, "You're fired," 
and Warren's like, you're not going to hear the rest of me, you son of a bitch. And then um, where it actually kind of gets interesting for me is the next. Well, actually, no. So um, Mary. Mary um, comes back in uh, into the house with Norman and, you know, Norman, uh, there is one. The moment that really kind of like makes me kind of I want to say cringe, but it's just maybe uneasy because I'm just like, ah, of course, it's going to happen at some point. So like. Norman's Norman's made a sandwich. He's looking for something to cut the sandwich with. And he's like, well, there's that there's that uh, classic kitchen knife, <laughs> classic staple of mother's personality. And uh, I love how he's reluctant to get a knife to cut the sandwich for um, Mary. And so what I always what actually always makes me laugh is just how like Mary just opens the drawer, sees the knife and just casually just pulls the knife out. I'm just like, <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. That's that's actually some good shit. Um, and then it's actually what I was getting to was the next scene um, afterwards. So, you know, she decides to stay the night. And um, so Norman is now at um, they're They're at the diner and uh, he's cutting up lettuce and uh, it just gets intense. Um, did you have anything you want to add on that uh, kitchen diner scene? Because I feel like if I describe it, I'm not going to do it any justice. <clears throat> that's great cycle go ahead pick it up huh? <laughs> god damn it but yeah so uh toomey comes in he's like uh hey sweetheart you wanna get in on some of this just basically harassing Mary. Wait, that dude's really good at being a fucking asshole well, I mean, well, I mean, Dennis Franz is just good at just playing a sleazebag but no just playing a smart ass in general um, he's got, he's definitely got the demeanor for it, which is why he's also really, um, uh, I've seen him in more dramatic stuff, um, later in like some footage for, uh, NYPD blue, but yeah, the man can totally it, like the de- the guy is definitely a trooper. He's definitely kind of the scene stealer of the scene stealer of the scene because he just kind of like, it's just like it, it, it cuts back. So at one point, so if you're, if you do remember the old diner setup, um, you know, there's a dial that has a, there's like a turn thingy that turn spinner that has all the orders and on the order <laughs> one of the, no- and then like one of the orders actually just has the note that says like, uh, you get that slut out of that house or I'll kill her. <laughs> um, and that's basically, um, it's either Norman's delusions or it's something else. But yeah, Norman, Norman eventually sees the note. It's like, what did you tell me to do? And, and then as uh, Jeff pointed out, he's just like, Come on, you son of a bitch. Come on. Come on. Norman sees this uh, cake with uh, with that's been cut in half with a kitchen knife. And he's about to take and, you know, he's very tempted. And you're just like, shit, is Norman actually going to take the knife and stab him to death? Um, luckily, he doesn't. But, uh, you know, let's just put it this way. I like of all the characters who die in the movie. I'm actually glad it's. Uh, I'm actually glad Toomey b- dies because yeah, yeah, he's just a complete douchebag in Slee's bag. So I'm like, fuck him. <laughs> no sympathy for this piece of shit. Um, but um, yeah. So overall, the the uh, assimilation for Norman back into society. Other than that, it's going pretty well. But um, that's when you get some really freaky shit going on. So he gets he begins receiving he begins getting phone calls from uh, mother at both the house and the diner. And, uh, you know, he's really, 
he's really kind of losing it. And so Marius decides, you know what? Why don't I actually stay with you and um, help you out? And Norman's like, you know what? I really appreciate that. Thank you. But um, uh, so to give you context, so later while Norman's renovating like um, the motel, because remember, the motel is a sleazy dime. Um, Toomey has been fired and eventually has been murdered. Uh, but no one really knows about that later. Um, what there's a really great shot I like actually, where Norman like he's painting the side of the motel, and then he looks up at the house, and then he sees he sees something in the window, and it it looks like a woman, and it looks like an older woman, and he's just like, no, and I, I like how the camera just kind of look kind of pans over to does a quick shot of uh, the, what is it, the paintbrush dropping from his hand, and he just runs up and he's looking for, he's looking for the woman that's in the house. And then um, they it's mentioned that um, during Norman's absence, like some people maybe kind of like broken into the house and used the house to like, get your freaking uh, um. Hey, fuck. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, there's this couple that comes in and uh, they try to escape, but um, the the boy in the couple like gets fucking stabbed like viciously. So I mean, great shot by the way of uh, of uh, of him getting stabbed in the in the background and the foreground. You just see like the his hand sliding down the the glass. Oh, that that was some good shit. And and just seeing the shot of like his girlfriend just looking in terror helplessly as he's just being viciously stabbed to death, that's some good shit. And then um, and then while that's happening, Norman's been kind of like looking around for his mother and like so that his old bedroom, uh, no, his old his mother's old bedroom is looked like it was like disheveled or whatnot. And then like to really, and then like when he walks in, it's like. It looks like what it was 22 years ago. And he's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he's locked in the attic. And while, yeah, he goes up to the attic and he's locked in the attic. And while it happened, while he's in the attic, like, you know, the murder goes downstairs in the cellar. And so um, the police are alerted. But, you know, there's no one in the cellar. Um, but, you know, it already it's already instilled in his head that like, shit, did I really just kill this kid? Um and Mary tells him, no, you did. It's clear that you didn't kill the kid. But um, but what really freaks me out is just um, so when Norman goes to use the bathroom, right? And uh, that's when uh, this is where I went. What the fuck? As like it start like he's trying to flush the toilet and uh, it starts to the toilet is just bleeding like actual blood. I'm like like watery blood too. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, that's a cool effect, by the way, the way how they basically, um, how the toilet just overfloods with blood. And it's obviously not, but the point is, is like, it just floods with blood and whatnot. And, uh, and like, he finds that there's a bloody rag that's been stuffed in the toilet and just like, Oh shit, please tell me I didn't actually kill this kid. And Mary keeps insisting. No, he's, he's good. Um, actually, um, there's actually a really good shot I like later. So since we are talking about the bathroom, so, um, if, was there actually, so you learn that there's a peephole on the other side of, um, the bathroom. 
that's in uh, Norma Bates's room. Was right. that in the I forget, was that in the original film or was that not in the original film? The peephole was actually in the motel itself. Uh, okay. Because he because uh, I think the whole reason Norman gave uh, Janet Lee uh, room number one is uh, is so that he could watch her through uh, through the through the people. And and that's uh, and actually like I'm sure it was just like a nice little I don't know if it was uh, a directing choice or just Anthony Perkins just being so in tune with the role. But when he's initially trying to get Mary a key, his hand hovers over key number one and then he moves moves his hand over to a uh, to a different key and i think that's really brilliant subtle acting from uh from anthony perkins to kind of at least i i think it shows that he's trying to not just doing everything he can to not fall back into his old path like he's actually trying to be a nice genuine person and yeah it's and again it's it's a subtle little moment you know no uh, no words even spoken but you know just the movement of a hand can uh can amplify uh, a performance which is fucking great shit on anthony perkins part rest in peace man indeed um that's actually you know i will say you know for as much as i'm like kind of split on the movie itself. The one thing I can't agree with you is that um, Anthony Perkins is the best actor in the movie by far, he, uh, bar none. He's in fucking incredible in this movie. Uh, I mean, I think this was cause again, it'd been a while. Actually, I remember. So there's an Orson Welles movie. I remember watching um, after he split with Hollywood called the trial. Um, he, he had, this is his, like one of his works first movies in uh, Europe because Orson Welles basically moved to Europe and started making like weird experimental films in Europe. Um, and the movie that he created, the first movie he created or made was called the trial. And it actually starred Anthony Perkins as the main uh, protagonist um, who's just been put on trial and condemned to death for no apparent reason. Uh, it's never, I don't think it's ever explicitly explained, but yeah, I, that was like one of the first times I ever really saw um, outside of Psycho, just watching Anthony Perkins act. And I'm just like, this guy gives a really great performance um, in that movie. Other than that, uh, the other thing I should also point out is just like how freaking like bizarre is it that like young Anthony Perkins looks a lot like Andrew Garfield. Um, just think about it there quickly. If you if you've never seen what Anthony Perkins looks like, just do a young do a search on young Anthony Perkins and then compare it to an image of Andrew Garfield and you'll understand what I'm talking about there. But um, yeah, uh, there's some real, yeah. Um, in terms of acting though here, yeah, just on point, like w going back to the scene in the diner where um, right before he loses it, just like seeing the look on his face as he's just chopping up that uh, lettuce, uh, chopping up the lettuce and uh, just looking, just looking at his face as he sees Mary being harassed by Toomey, he's just like, "I'm gonna kill this son of a bitch! I'm gonna kill this son of a bitch! I'm gonna kill this son of a bitch! I'm gonna kill this son of a bitch!" And then when he, f and then after um, he gets the he gets the note and he kind of snaps it a little bit and he's just desperately looking for the note. Yeah, good, good acting. Like just like just the desperation of a of a man who's like, "I know I'm not crazy. 
although he is kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being honest. But um, so going back to later, going back to later. So um, there's actually a really sh- good shot in there that actually freaked me the fuck out. Um, so Mary. So sometime after uh, Mary. Um, Mary uh, cleans up in the bathroom. She notices she's cleaning up the mess in the bathroom from the uh, bloody rag or whatnot. And uh, she's, she sees the people, right? And then she goes into uh, Norma's room, right? And she looks through the peephole and there's this really freaky shot of like this eye just popping out of nowhere. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. That, that, yeah. First of all, that would, that legit creep me out. I was just like, Jesus Christ. And I had just seen Blair Witch Project right after this. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> um, by the way, that movie still makes that movie. Um, I'm finally able to go to sleep now. But uh, Jesus Christ, that movie still gets me, especially that final scene from that movie. But anyways, but yeah, Dean Cundy did a brilliant, um, brilliant composition for that shot. Just like that close up of the hole. Then all of a sudden that eye pierced through and Mary's just like, Jesus fucking Christ. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, really freaky shit. Um, brilliant on um, the cinematography of that. I thought that was great. And then like, she's just like Norman, Norman. And Norman comes in. He's like, what? He's like, I just saw someone in the next bathroom or someone in the bathroom. He's just like, um, no, I don't see anyone here, but yeah, that's some, that's some crazy shit. But um meanwhile uh lila is in town she's basically coming to town just to tell the sheriff that like listen norman is dangerous like he's going to snap i'm and you have got to do something before something happens the sheriff's like there's nothing happening like he's you know norman seems to be doing good um and uh yeah so everything there is all whatnot and um What's what's crazy is that um, you learn that Mary um, is actually Lila's daughter. The two have actually been co-conspiring to get Norman to um, lose his shit again. And uh, I was and that's one. And that's actually, you know, I I, I mean, that's kind of shitty. Just the, I mean, like, I mean, I get it. Lila is very distrustful of Norman. After all, he did brutally stab his sister. I mean, her, her, his sister, her sister in the shower in like one of the most iconic scenes ever put on film just in general. But, uh, but yeah, Lila's just, you know, um, she's trying to do everything in her power to make sure that, uh, that like he's, that he's, uh, put back in prison or just institutionalized or whatnot. But there's actually, you can kind of tell that like something else is at play when he gets phone calls um, Mary eventually, you know, he revealed eventually Mary and, um, Norman discuss about how they are, uh, how Lila and Mary are plotting against Norman, but, and he, you know, he gets phone calls from mother, but you know, he gets a phone call and, uh, Mary's like, don't answer the phone. Cause she thinks it's from her mother. But what's freaky is that, um, even when, even if there's no one on the phone, Norman truly thinks that there's someone on the phone. So it's, this is another really great bit of acting from Norman. Uh, I mean, from Anthony, because he's just really showcasing just how, how like Norman's really just, 
he really has been trying to keep it all together. And now like when he's on the phone, he's just, he's just kind of lost it. It's just another brilliant piece of acting from Anthony because it, it just really showcases just like, yes, mother, no mother, everything's good. So actually I wanted to chime in on something. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. What I think actually makes this movie really enjoyable, especially on repeat viewings is the, is, you know, after, you know, the, uh, the reveal of uh, of Lila's plan, along with along with Mary, uh, it kind of makes you go back and try to see at what point were they were they starting to fuck with him, or uh, the way I kind of, especially on my, on my most recent viewing, I was trying to pinpoint, you know, the moment that Norman actually cracked and just like like the moment that everything just kind of came back to him and he was just trying to he was just delaying the inevitable as the as the movie went on and i think it was that it was actually at the moment where he uh where he sees his mother's bedroom all all uh all furnished because for one i i just i don't see how fucking lila would be able to to pull that off in a in a short amount of time and what i think actually one dyna- dynamic that i think is kind of interesting and actually helps uh, uh helps mary be uh an actually kind of sympathetic character in her own right is you know she's basically being forced to parta- partake in this giant revenge scheme devised by her mother basically against her her will and uses emotional manipulation to get what she wants mm-hmm. not not too far off from from norman i mean obviously very different circumstances but what i think is kind of interesting about that is it makes it more believable that mary would actually uh, feel sympathy for for Norman, like without the without the uh, the facade or anything. You know, she she's like she kind of sees the the parallels and you know calls her mom out on her bullshit. And it uh, yeah, I I think it uh, it does a good job at at selling that. And it's a it's a twist that actually forces you to reanalyze the movie in a in a way. And so I, I think that's part of why I think this is such a, a decent little thriller is uh, there's actually a lot to kind of unpack and the way it makes you see Norman in this different light, how you're like just seeing him adjust, trying to adjust in society is I think are some of those fascinating elements of, of the movie. You know, this isn't your typical 80s slasher film where, you know, you have a insanely high body counts and it's, you know, tries to cut through the bullshit as soon as possible. And this movie is a lot more subdued. Like it's actually like it definitely has the moments where it's trying to be basically trying to fit in with the crowd of the 80s slasher uh, slasher films. But for the most part, this movie is actually trying to be 
a legitimate follow up to one of the to the one of the most celebrated films of all time. And like obviously it doesn't come anywhere near to the to the original film, but in terms of trying to follow up an Alfred Hitchcock classic, which is no easy feat whatsoever. I think without Hitchcock being behind the camera, I think this is damn near close to what to like the best possible follow up you you could probably muster. Yeah, I mean, it's not real. I mean, you are right. It's it is not it's not your typical like slasher horror film. It's like it really it's more about, you know, seeing a seeing a man who, you know, was you know was infamous for all these brutal killings back in uh, 1960 like 22 years ago and you know you're trying to see him basically try to get his life back together but there're just too many circumstances that keep him from achieving that and unfortunately he's unfortunately he does eventually de um degrade back into the mother persona by the end of the film, which is really sad because, you know, Norman truly it like outside of his, you know, persona, Norman truly seems like a good guy. Like, you know, even if, even if, um, he's a tragic character. Yes, he is. I, especially. And like what really, what really indicated that Norman truly could be a really good person is at the beginning where like, you know, he invites Mary to come back to his house to like, just stay there just because, you know, it take a while for her to get back into the city. And so he's just he just invites her to just stay there. And, you know, they have a pretty they have a good they have a really good chemistry, by the way. Anthony Perkins and um, God, what the hell is her name? Um, Meg God. Tilly. Yeah, Meg Tilly. Like really good, really good um, chemistry. I thought it for whatever reason, I was just thinking that like because like because Anthony Perkins was, I think, 51 at the time this movie was made or at least in his like least 50 or 49 and then um meg tilly was i think what in her 20s and i thought so i actually, thought they might have been i thought that they hold on sorry i thought they might have been going for a romantic angle but i am glad that they didn't go there they just kept it to just uh friends and she's just trying to help him out but yeah i it, they could have easily gone that way and i appreciate that they didn't do that so actually um uh, uh well first i actually recently discovered that I mean, the last name should have given it away, but I didn't know that Meg Tilly was Jennifer Tilly's sister. So, hey, th- there you go. Um, should I know who Jennifer Tilly is? You know her voice. I guarantee you know her voice. Jennifer Tilly, Jennifer Tilly, Jennifer Tilly, Jennifer Tilly. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm looking at her. Oh, my God. She's in uh, She's in Child's Play, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, my God, she's... Bonnie Swanson. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what makes sense. Um, oh, wow. Um, well, and that's images from 2006. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that was her sister. Okay. Interesting. But, uh, Did not know that. Yes. Yeah, so, but actually, apparently, um, Meg Tilly had a, did not have a good time making this movie. Really? Uh, apparently that fascinates me. Apparently there was uh, apparently there was some beef between her and Anthony Perkins and what? Apparently, yeah. Apparently there were some uh, 
I don't remember the full context around the story, but the very shortened version is there was some major miscommunications between the two that never really got resolved. So her uh, that basically caused her. Actually, I think it got to a point where Anthony Perkins was advocating for her to be recast. And they were already so deep into filming at that point that they were like, no, we're, we're not we're not going to do that. And I uh, yeah, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Perkins was on the verge of leaving the production if she wasn't fired. But obviously none of that none of that went through that blows my fucking mind because they have such like, good fucking chemistry they do which is the most surprising wow like because wow, okay. there, like there's that moment where uh where norman uh locks him and mary in uh in that one in that one bedroom and she's just comforting him saying like like hey remember the good times you had and and then norman says i can't the doctors took them all away from me. That's, that's a fucking sad moment, man. Like it, it's well acted. It's, uh, it, it, it lets, it lets us see firsthand how emotionally torn Norman is, you know, cause he's trying so hard to fend off this side of him that he spent more than half of his life, away from from the world that blows my that honestly blows my mind that they did not get along outside of outside of shooting because you can clearly see that the chemistry is there between the two and that they are that like they really they really do have a bond between the two um but now that you mention it i imagine that uh both of them i i guess one of them really enjoyed um the moment where eventually Norman eventually does kind of go cuckoo for cocoa puffs again. And like Mary has kind of like put on the, um, well, actually prior to that, we should cut back to it. Um, but so Lila decides, she, cause Lila decides she's going to grab her old, like a uh, uh, mother costume to try and fool, um, try and fool Norman. But like she, um, gets brutally killed by the other mother in the movie uh, and a really, I remember. So when the other mother just kills her through the throat, I'm like, "Fuck me, that's a good kill right there." Because it's just that shot of just like the knife through her mouth and throat. I'm like, "Fuck, <laughs> that's a that's brutal shit." Um, I wasn't sure how you felt about that, but yeah, I'm just like, "Jesus, that's a good that's a good shot." Um, I mean, like it's one died. of those shots where it feels like maybe that was a studio decision because being like, like, look, we made this movie to cash in on the slasher craze. We need to have some gory kills in here. So that doesn't, it kind of feels a little out of place in terms of what tone the movie was going for, but I'm a sucker for good practical kill effects. So mm-hmm. yeah, fuck it. I'll take it. Actually real quick. There's a, there's a moment I actually liked between Mary and Lila at the, uh, earlier so like when like she when they're having that argument in the um in the hotel that lila's staying at and then it like cuts back to the perspective of the hotel clerk i thought i heard like just like uh you, you hear them arguing in the background but like it's kind of um in the background noises but like i thought i was hearing the musical score go up uh ramp up but no i'm just what fun what was funny is just like it's the uh 
It's just a custodian. Just um, moseying on by with a vacuum. It's like, oh, damn it. You fooled me. Okay. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, getting back to um, getting back to uh, Norman losing, finally losing it. So since we're talking about how apparently Meg Tilly and Anthony Perkins did not get along. So she must have enjoyed it when she uh, dressed up as uh, Norman and uh, yeah, dressed up as uh, mother and uh, tried to like get Norman to come back to his senses. And so he basically just like backs her into the cellar and like, she's just cutting him at his, at like his hands. Like she stabs both hands and then cuts them again. Oh, and, but- uh, I just totally fucking realized, like, we did not mention Norman's psychiatrist once. Oh, that's right. Robert Loja. Um, if you don't know who Robert Loja is, uh, he he was one of the best character actors to ever exist. Um, he's, like, one of the best. I, I would say, aside from Anthony Perkins, he's probably the second best actor in the movie. Um, at least that's how I feel, because Robert Loja truly is, like, one of the best actors. Actually, if you don't know who Robert Loja is... Watch a classic, watch a little Tom Hanks movie called Big, um, and then just watch that piano sequence he does with Tom Hanks. Good shit right there. Um, one and, also, the, and also go watch Independence Day. because he's That's a, right. He's like one of the generals in that movie. He's the big gruff general, and he's fucking perfect <laughs> as it. Actually, uh, Independence Day Resurgence was actually his final on-screen performance. Like, it was just a... It was, just was he a, in the movie? I don't remember him being in the movie. It was just a little uh, cameo. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, like Bill Pullman's like walking on stage and he he sees him and just kind of gives him a little nod like that. That's this whole scene pretty much. Uh, OK, yeah, that goes to show just how memorable that fucking movie is. <laughs> Jeez, we'll talk about that I think he only, he only died a couple of years ago. Um, 20, yeah, 2015. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Um, that was the last um, that was the last time we saw him on screen. It was what, a, I guess it was a posthumous release, correct? It was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, what's sad is that, uh, what's sad is that, you know, after Lila gets murdered, um, Robert Loja is looking for her looking around. Um, and, uh, he, no, no, no. What happens is, um, he figures out that Mary and Lila are in, in on it and, uh, trying to get, Norman committed again, so he tries to. So actually, this is actually one of the. So right before uh, Norman snaps and uh, tries to corner uh, Mary, so um, she's put on the she's put on the getup and tries to and is trying to t- trying to stop uh, Norman. But like uh, the doctor comes in and um, he's just he tries to stop her, tries to stop her. But um, it's his death that gets him to snap. But but yeah, his death. That was is, fucking brutal. Because I mean, yeah, first, like was. he he startles Mary, and that causes him to to get stabbed in the in the chest, and then he lunges forward, and then the uh, the handle of the knife uh, makes contact with uh, with another part of the stairs, causing the knife to go even deeper. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like falls like probably what, like a good fifteen plus feet like mm-hmm. straight right on his back it's like you all right pal <laughs> it reminds me for, now that you mention it it kind of reminds me of the brutal death that's in halloween kills where uh fucking 
fucking Allison's boyfriend is like gets like just brutally his neck brutally snapped by Michael. Like I still Michael can't get that. I, walks down the stairs. I still can't get that sound effect out of my mind, man. Fuck. Just the snap of the neck. Oh yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> but yeah. So but yeah. So uh, Mary's um, Mary's back basically back to the corner and uh, she finds her mother's body and she's like. Now that now she's just like, oh, no, Norman, now I have to kill you. And Nor- she's about to try and kill Norman. And uh, nope, she gets shot by the she gets shot by the police. I like how she's like shot and just like falls out of frame into the next room, um, which is honestly it's honestly a per like. It, I think the writing is really well done because it places all these little uh, all these little pieces back to back to really create the perfect alibi for Norman because you're thinking like, okay, well, what the fuck's going to happen? Like how, how could he not go to jail or be killed after this? And he gets away with it because of course, Mary was in mother's clothes and was about to kill him as the moment the police walked in. So from their Uh perspective, Norman is just the, poor innocent victim and it's uh, uh that uh, that doesn't last long no it doesn't because um we we talked about it earlier but basically emma comes in uh emma spool which by in. the way great fucking shot of her ascending the stairs up up to the house that's right. It is. Well, I just like that composition. It's just like the because I, I don't think that's actually the nighttime, right? That's basically what almost like a um, that's and that's like is that that's not exactly green screen, but God, what the hell is that that shot? Is it would it be rotoscoping that they're doing that? No, I think uh, well, because at least at least I could tell like just because I I was what you know I have the shot factory factory Blu-ray, so you know good uh, good picture quality. The because uh, I was I was trying to think like damn how how did they do the 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 opening credit shot of uh of like the of the sun coming uh, up and down during uh you know as the opening credits play out and uh you know just because such a drastic change in, in lighting and it doesn't look like there's a cut when uh, when Norman and uh, Robert Loja are pulling up into the motel, you can definitely tell that it's a painted backdrop. So that kind of answered my, my lighting question right there. Like, okay, they were able to easily control that. Um, but yeah, I would say it's a, at least for the nighttime, I would say it's a combination of maybe a little rotoscoping because of the, especially for the final shot, which we'll definitely talk about. Uh, those clouds are definitely moving. So there had to be some rotoscoping right there. Um, you have to remember this is the early '80s um, CG, like early computer, early computer generated effects are just kind of starting, but like very still much in their infancy. So I mean, I, I will I will say in there. I I fucking love how Dean Cundey photographs the house in in this film. Like every he makes it look creepy as shit. Yes, like yeah, like he always makes it feel like this looming presence and. Uh, every shot that he frames it in, it's it looks fucking terrific. Like he, uh, like after Norman was up painting the house, you know, it has that crazy 
that crazy Dutch angle of Norman, like staggering to, to get up the stairs and get into the house. And it, ah, it's fucking wonderful. Like this movie looks terrific. Yeah, it does. Um, because it basically, I, we discussed it earlier, but it's basically, if it's not the same house from the first original psycho, it's a damn perfect recreation, uh, especially the interiors of it. And I think that is it, is it the same, is it that exact same model? Um, what's in, on the back lot of universal or is it a replica of that one? Um, if I had to make a guess, I would say the uh, just the exterior of the house are on uh, is on the back lot, and I'm I'm sure for the interior they probably filmed that you know on some random soundstage. Hmm. Um. Um. Okay, but yeah. Okay, that that actually does explain it. But yeah. Um. So, anyways, I guess moving on forward, but. Yeah, Emma comes up. Um, she she looks like mother too. Um, and here's here's where I kind of feel really. I mean, here's where I kind of feel that this is kind of like one of the dumbest kind of things they do, especially since you mentioned they retcon it later. Um, like she reveals that she's actually Norman Norman's uh, mother. Um, Mrs. Uh, Norma Bates is actually the sister of. Um, of of emma and uh she adopted norman as an infant um while emma was the one in- institutionalized or whatnot but um she revealed that she's the one who actually killed um she's the one who kills Toomey. she's the one who kills lila she's the one who kills the kid in the cellar um basically everything she did ever she killed all those people just to make sure that um norman wasn't harmed but i guess Norman already kind of knew, so um, so he he as Jeff put it earlier, he just takes a shovel and whack hits her on the head, kills her, and then uh, just carries her body upstairs and um, to uh, Norma's room, and uh, Norman has devolved back into the mother persona, and um, you just hear. Uh, that creepy mother voice speaking. And then as Jeff puts it, um, the final shot is um, here. I'm not going to be able to do the discussion of the final shot justice. Please describe that final shot. The final shot of this movie is a work of fucking art. Uh, You basically have this beautiful low angle shot with Norman slowly approaching, uh, approaching the frame as he looks down at the motel, you have these dark, ominous clouds starting to form along and looking back at the house. You have mother sitting, sitting at the, at the window, perfectly silhouetted. And Norman looks back at her. Like it's, it beautifully signifies the full return of Norman Bates. And, I think why I, I don't really care that much about the explanation. Uh, normally, I would say like that in that takes away a lot of what happened in the first movie. But I kind of feel like Norman doesn't really give a shit. I think he just 
mostly wanted to kill her because, you know, she claims that she's mother and he just wants to revert back to what he was comfortable with, you know, what he spent a majority of his life being around. So it's like it's just another empty vessel for him to envelop this split personality because I think he's always going to divulge back into the the mental state that that was brought on by by Norma. You know, even if this other chick claims to be his mother, like he's always going to think Norma. And I don't know. That's at least my interpretation. Well, it's like you said, they do retcon it in the sequel um, that uh, that Emma is indeed the actual aunt and that Norma is the true mother of uh, Norman. So like it kind of a kind of a dumb thing at the end anyway. But it's like you said, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that uh, the mother persona of Norman Bates is back and he is he is basically going to keep killing people who keep doing sinful things that uh, the mother deems uh, wrong in the eyes of her and that it's up to mother to make sure that everything's set right and that Norman uh, kills again to satisfy mother. Um, And that's the end of Psycho 2. Um, Yeah. I guess in retrospect, I guess in retrospect, I do like it overall um i still am not a hundred percent on the movie i'm not even sure if i'm even 75 percent for sure 75 percent sure on it but you know i don't i definitely don't think it's a bad movie i think it is pretty solid for what it is but i just i don't know i know just a part of me is just uh i don't i i'm not i guess the thing is like i'm not too I know you're more the Hitchcock person than I am, so I'm not really big on Hitchcock. I definitely appreciate his work and basically his legacy for sure, but I'm not like, I don't have any real attachment to um, Psycho or any of any of the other movies, but you know, I, I like that it's trying to do something different. Like even, the, even though it is, it is a horror film. It's, it's not trying it. It's not trying to be the original Psycho, which I do appreciate, but, you know, it is kind of, I don't know, maybe treading on some familiar um, wet work and whatnot. But, you know, I like, again, I do really like the concept of um, of Norman, like trying to be living back in society as a normal person. But, you know, too many things in his life just keep him from getting there and by the end he basically does become mother once more so it is a very tragic story for norman isn't it and i like i like how they do continue the story i feel like if they were i guess if you were to do a sequel to psycho like this would have been the way to do it um i guess it'd be interesting to see how maybe how i would feel about maybe psycho 3 if i ever got around to it but um for now i'm just like you know i mean i'm okay with it it's not i don't think psycho 2 is something i would normally go back to um but yeah i mean for for what for what it is i think it it does stand on to stand on its own um for what it is but yeah that's my that's my views uh jeff uh yeah i mean i would say for a movie that should not have worked you know 
It's made 22 years after the original film. It's in color. It was made three years after Alfred Hitchcock died. Like every everything about this movie should not have worked. And while it's not perfect, you can tell that everyone behind the camera was really giving it their all. And it's at least a good follow up to such an iconic film. And yeah, even if it doesn't completely stick the landing and, you know, we'll never come close to, to that first film, you know, that, that first movie is lightning in a bottle. And, but, uh, but psycho two manages to do its own thing, create its own identity, explore new concepts, uh, gives Anthony Perkins a chance to really stretch his acting legs uh, Meg Tilly gives a great performance. I, I would say pretty much everyone in the movie gives a decent performance. Uh, like we said, Dean Cundy's cinematography is, is fucking fantastic. Uh, it's well written. There's some good moments of suspense and tension right there. The uh, it, It's a good psychological thriller that uh, definitely has its elements of slasher, but yeah, I would say this is definitely more psychological, especially when when it's essentially just watching Norman's gradual gradual decline back into insanity and knowing that if they just left him the fuck alone, everything would have been fine. <laughs> really does make him feel like a tragic character. And in terms of uh, recommendation, I would say it's one of those movies that you have low expectations going in, but coming out of it, at least from a majority of people that I've I've talked to about it, they're really caught up. They're at least decently caught off guard being like, oh, shit, that actually wasn't half bad. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely think it's not bad at all. I just I don't know. I, just for me personally, I'm just not something I I'm not sure I would come back to all all the time but um i i think it, i think it would be interesting to watch psycho and then psycho 2 side by side just as a you know if you're gonna do a double feature um and see kind of like the differences there here and there but um yeah i think psycho 2 is uh yeah not bad not bad just for me personally um yeah i don't think i'd come back to it um all 100 percent of the time but all right. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for this fine installment of the show. Um, normally, I'd be plugging all the socials and stuff or whatnot, but I think I think we're just going to keep moving along at a brisk pace here and uh, head on over to the next installment when it happens. But uh, until then, folks, Horror Month will continue, and we are fast approaching Halloween itself, so we might have a surprise for you coming up. But in the meantime, folks, this has been Two Nerdskis in a Podcast. This is Eric. You know who the fuck I am. I've said it like five times. Bye. <laughs> hey, stay shiny, everybody. Have a good one. Hey,